Welcome to Cinema Chat. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about the movies and the people that made them. And today I am very pleased to have uh, a special guest. This is kind of a special show. Um, I am going to be reintroducing uh, Tracy Gozel to our show. And what we're going to talk about is uh, Tracy is going to make a long sojourn from sunny Los Angeles to wintry Topeka, Kansas, where there will be a silent film festival on February 28th and 29th. And Tracy, of course, was our guest a while back, and uh, she wrote a biography on on Douglas Fairbanks, and she's also in charge of the Biograph Project, which, um, well, Tracy, first, let me say thanks thanks for coming on, and I'm going to let you explain the Biograph Project. Actually, I am um, founded a little nonprofit called Film Preservation Society, mm-hmm. and um, the way we remember that, FPS is frames per second. Uh, silent film people are always trying to think about projection speed, uh, unlike the talkies where everybody knows it's going to be 24 frames a second. We're dickering depending upon what year the thing is filmed, what our projection speed is going to be. And Film Preservation Society started out... Um, working on restoring Douglas Fairbanks' silent that were otherwise lost. Um, we seem to be getting some funny feedback. Is that okay? Do you want me to try oh, over? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I, I okay. hear you sound fine here. Okay, good. Then I won't worry about it. You can cut that out if you're talented. Um, we started uh, funding restorations of otherwise unavailable Fairbanks' silence. We did the half-breed and the good bad man, which are now out on Kino, and we're about to, uh, on the verge of releasing his second trouble, then um, uh, our big, big project is, uh, and it's been going on for about four years, is the Biograph Project, and this is the project whereby we are bound and determined to source and restore each one of the roughly 465 films that D.W. Griffith directed between 1908 and 1913, the years where basically the grammar of cinema was invented. Um, I know it was going on in a lot of places with a lot of different directors, but really the majority of the innovation was all happening in this one studio on um, uh, the south side of Manhattan. And uh, we're, we just think it's a shame that up till now, film uh, aficionados and students haven't been able to see these films. Some of them are still uh, sitting in the original shooting order as negatives in the Museum of Modern Art and haven't been assembled uh, since they were assembled back in the day. Um, Because the biograph, they would, instead of assembling the negative and then making production prints off of this assembled negative, they would edit each print into the correct sequence, kind of a, an odd thing. So all the camera negatives are still living there in, in their original shooting order um, and or uh, tinting order in some instances. They, they put the scenes together that were meant to be dipped into the dye. So uh, their students of Mary Pickford or Lionel Barrymore, Henry B. Waffle, Blanche Sweet, the Gish sisters, um, that haven't been able to see their full bodies of work because these wonderful, wonderful early films have been sitting in cold storage in 
working with a lot of wonderfully cooperating institutions, including the Library of Congress and the Museum of Modern Art, as well as uh, fishing some stuff out of private collections. And we're, bit by bit, putting them back together. Well, bless your heart for, for that project. And, you know, a lot of people think um, they, they hear the word, the, the name D.W. Griffith, and the only thing they think of is um, they think of Birth of a Nation and then and then uh, maybe they know about intolerance. Um, but he, he was involved with over 500 films. Yes, yes. And, of course, is, he reached maturity with Birth of a Nation and intolerance. And as, as works of film, they are pretty much um, demonstrate most of the techniques that, that modern film directors uh, use today. There's not very much that's been invented since Griffith's time, except for um, some digital special effects. But in terms of camera movement, editing, all the things that we think of that make the movie cinema instead of simply st film stage plays, um, that make movies move instead of being static um, things, all of that was innovated in that five-year period. And it's really exciting to see and um, you know, you'll be watching a 1910 film and suddenly you'll realize, holy cow, the scenes that they shot before lunch, uh, the characters are lit from uh, above by natural sunlight and they have shadows under their eyes. And all of the scenes that were shot after lunch, you can see their faces clearly because it was at lunch that Billy Bitzer and D.W. Griffith realized that the tablecloth would reflect the light on the actors' faces. And suddenly they invented backlighting and, and were able to use reflectors. And to, to literally look at a film and say, this was the day when that happened. And you can see from shot to shot the difference is, uh, it feels like you're there once again when it happened for the first time. And uh, there are multiple little instances of this. Uh, and each film has, brings something to the table. Um, not, it's not that every single film has an innovation, but each film teaches us something or shows us something, um, and is, is, it's an incredibly richly rewarding experience. And we'll be showing some of the very earliest biographs, films that haven't really been seen in more than 100 years, because the films themselves are lost. The only source of material on these films are what are called the paper prints. In um, between, up till 1912, really, mid-1912, you could not copyright film. There, there was nothing in the copyright law that anticipated the uh, development of this new technology. So the only way they could copyright a moving picture was to print each frame of the movie onto a long strip of film, of uh, paper, excuse me, which you couldn't project that paper. It didn't have sprocket holes. It was simply a long roll with a lot of images on it. And um, back in the late 50s, somebody figured out, well, here's how we can take a picture of every frame. And they made very blurry 16 millimeter prints of these things that are the rough equivalent of looking through a lens smeared with Vaseline. It's, it's really a strange experience. We now are scanning these things and um, digitally cleaning them up, not that they have a whole lot in the way of scratches, but paper degrades and crumples. And um, suddenly you're seeing things as crisply and clearly as uh, Billy Bitzer 
doing a number of uh, paper print restorations as well as um, some material that's uh, taken from fine grain positives as well as camera negatives. Hey, right. And now let's talk about the films that you're going to be um, well, sort of introducing when, when we get to uh, the film festival. Um, uh, it looks like, uh, uh, according to the schedule, uh, you're going to be introducing uh, three by D.W. Griffith. And um, uh, let's just give a brief... Four. four. Yeah, and then, and then the... Oh, it's, oh, the four? Okay, okay, I missed it. Yep, there's okay. a smoke husband. Uh-huh. Um, that is the very first uh-huh. of what were called the Jones comedies. Um, Florence Lawrence was... Um, Mrs. Jones and um, John Cumpson, who was a very stout uh, comic character, was her husband. And uh, Smoke's husband, the characters did not yet have the Mr. and Mrs. Jones names, but it's basically the first of the Jones films and um, the, in which the suspicious husband uh, thinks his wife is going to have an assignation and he's going to listen in on her so he hides up the chimney because where else would you hide, you know, of course. And uh, it's inevitable the maid lights the, uh, the fire in the fireplace, but there's a, a burglar and a maid who's uh, trying to steal the silver and uh, uh, Florence Lawrence with a brand new dress that shows the slit and shows her legs and young Bobby Heron in a um, uh, bellhop delivery boy costume that you can watch him wear throughout 1908 and 1909 and then suddenly around 1910 he outgrows the darn thing and his, his uh, wrist bones start peeking out. But <laughs> wonderful little period when he's about 14 years old and he fits in the costume. You see Bobby Heron in, in, the, uh, in that little bellhop costume all the time. And it's uh, our first uh, paper print restoration and it's uh, essentially a lost film mm-hmm. not having uh, been out on film uh, except for that late 1950s blurry version and so it's, is it uh, the greatest thing D.W. Griffith ever made? No but it's, it's got a lot of charm it's got Max Senate and just the joy of seeing something that hasn't been seen in this period of time is great um, we're also going to be showing this second uh, Jones film called Mr. Jones. Oh, that's oh. the one I missed. That, there you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Florence Lawrence again uh-huh. and John Cumpson. This time, Mr. Jones is going to the ball with the missus, but uh-huh. he's a little too big for his britches and the pants split. And, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. It's, uh, it's an early comedy, and comedy was enjoy comedy, he was happy to pass them on uh, pretty early in the game off to his young acolyte, a fellow by the name of Max Sennett. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see Max throughout these things. He'll be a policeman, he'll be a waiter, he'll be um, a butler standing by, he'll be a, a silly Frenchman on the roof where uh, Mr. Jones is stuck in the chimney. Uh, half the time you can just be looking to see how many times you can identify Max Sennett in uh, roles in the movies, uh, but those, that would be the first night. Um, the second night, we're going to be um, going back to the very, very first film, The Adventures of Dolly, mm-hmm. and most people have seen this, It's um, but very few people have seen it uh, in a viewable form, and it's Griffith's first film. He uh, filmed it all outdoors. It's very tight, very succinct. Uh, amazingly um, mature for a first effort. 
with D.W. Griffith. I think you have to go along with the story of a little girl kidnapped by gypsies and stuffed in a barrel. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, we do a two-year hop to 1910, and we show uh, Griffith as he's really learning his stride, and that will be a film called Child's Impulse. This has got um, a very young and very beautiful Mary Pickford, a little girl who was always the little girl, uh, almost always the little girl in biograph films by the name of Gladys Eakin. As a matter of fact, she's the dolly in Adventures of Dolly. And um, it, the joy of seeing this film is even if you were a lucky person who had uh, somehow gotten into the Museum of Modern Art to see their print or had been in Portnone, Portnone Italy in 1999 when they screened it, you would have seen some very dark and blurry scenes. The, the copy that MoMA has is degraded. And we got very lucky. Uh, somebody knew somebody knew somebody who knew a guy in the valley who had uh, seven reels of biographical 